This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Oh Hello Media. Oh Hello Media is the nation's leading visual storytellers of brand experiences. They utilize creative storytelling to empower brands with meaningful photography, videography, and video post-production that elicits emotion to create a lasting and memorable impression between your target audience and your brand. Not only do they have team members in every city across the country, their turnkey operational solution saves clients an average of 10 hours of project management. 10 hours! To learn more about Oh Hello Media Services and how they're leveling up their clients' visuals, please visit their website at www.ohellomedia.com. Again, that's www.ohellomedia.com. Welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director, the original podcast made by a creative director for creative directors, for aspiring creative directors, for creatives of all types looking to up their game. This is your podcast, and I am your host, Jaime Cabrera. On today's episode, we have the incomparable Vicki Ross. You know her, you love her from LinkedIn. She is a copy chief and a brand and tone of voice consultant. She's a speaker. She's a trainer. She's worked for such brands as The Body Shop, Virgin Media. She was head of copy at Expedia Group, worked for Sky TV, helping them develop their tone of voice. And of course, she's got her own company, Vicki Ross Writes Limited. And she's here today to give us some top line thoughts on how to best develop a tone of voice for a brand. So, without further ado, let's get into it with Vicki Ross. Good morning, Vicki. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Thank you so yeah. much for, for making the time to be on on the show. What? So, I, I always, this is such a silly question because I always sound like like my mom. What what time is it over there? We're on, we're on different uh, <laughs> time schedules here. What time are you? Um, I'm in London and it is 3.30 in the afternoon. Okay, so you're kind of starting to wind down your your day. I'm just uh, starting on mine a little bit. Or will you go? Will you go much later than this? Yeah, I'm deep in a new set of tone of voice guidelines, so I will continue for a bit longer after we've chatted. Oh wow! Okay, excellent. Well, yeah. Again, thank you so much for uh, making the time to join the show. I've been following you for a little bit here and um you know i i have to first off uh start by saying thank you so much because 
you wrote some kind words about uh, my book and I think I experienced what, what we call the, the Vicky Ross effect because the following day <laughs> I sold a ton of copies in the UK and, and I, I got to assume that that's, uh, you know, due to your uh, great endorsement. And I, I really appreciate that. That was, that was very kind. So thank you so much. Oh, no problem. I don't say anything that isn't true. <laughs> um, and I really enjoyed reading your book. I love reading any books, really. And uh, I'll always share the ones that I think are worthwhile. Well, thanks so much. I, I really appreciate that. So let's get into it. I mean, you've been doing, you know, tone of voice and, and, and brand voice and brand messaging uh, work for a long time. Can you give us sort of a a little bit of a summary of, of where you've been and, and what you've done. I know you've worked for, for some big names, a lot of big names in the broadcasting world. So why don't you give us a quick little rundown of, of your career trajectory? Yeah, sure. So I'm a copywriter. I've been writing copy for about 25 years now. Um, I started as a proper copywriter at the body shop and I loved working in beauty. I never thought I would leave. Um, but after eight years and L'Oreal buying it and things changing massively, I thought maybe I need to change massively too. Um, so I took a chance and I just did something completely different and I went to Virgin Media. Um, and when I thought I loved writing about beauty at the body shop, I found I loved writing about TV at Virgin Media even more. And while I was there, I was approached for a job at Sky um, uh, which I took. Uh, I was head of copy there for two years. I created their tone of voice. And after about two years, I, as much as I loved working for Sky, um, I, I was not enjoying the fact that I was in more meetings than I was writing copy. Yeah. Um, and so I reluctantly handed in my notice and, and we had a great relationship. They didn't want me to leave. I didn't want to leave. So I ended up being there, um, uh, head of copy, lead tone of voice consultant um, for the last, I think it's 11 or 12 years now. Um, and in that time, I've taken on loads of other TV clients predominantly. So I absolutely love TV. It's a and it's such a, a pleasure. I feel so spoiled to be able to write about TV brands or write for TV brands as much as I do. Um, but I also, in amongst all of that, I travel the world. Uh, I tell other brands how to talk. Uh, I've recently been at Pandora in Copenhagen, Adidas in Porto. Wow. Um, and I speak at conferences too. So uh, Melt in Mumbai was a big one for me. Um and uh, I mark in Iceland. I won't go through all of them, but yeah, I, I basically, the short answer is I tell brands how to talk and I show people how to write. That's awesome. That's incredible. And what a, what it must be really rewarding to be able to, you know, hear your voice, the, the voice that you helped create for the brand, you know, pretty much anywhere that you go. It seems like you have a pretty wide range of clients and uh, have a big, big territory. So that's your, that's your life's work, right? I mean, you, you consult, you work with all these, um, different companies. So you've really, um, have kind of written the book on, on, on tone of voice. And I'm so excited to have you on the show because this is a mastercast. So you're going to share some of, uh, your thoughts on, on, on developing tone of voice and how people can do a better job of that, better, better job of stewarding, um, you know, that tone of voice. So uh, I'm just going to hand it off to you. I'll, I'll jump in and ask some questions and add some color commentary, but the floor <laughs> is yours. Okay. So 
I, I mean, there's lots that goes into creating a tone of voice, but for the sake of right. our masterclass today, I have distilled it down into three areas that we can talk about. And three is always a good number to present information in because uh, it's, a, it's an effective copywriting technique. People find things presented in threes memorable, um, which is why lots of slogans are made up of three words or three thoughts or sentences. Uh, that's like already, Nike's. that's already, a, that's like a bonus tip right there. That's already, you already started <laughs> off with a bonus tip. tip. I love it. Okay. You need you need like a jingle for the bonus tip. <laughs> um, but yeah, Nike, I, uh, just do it. You know, three three words. Um, okay, so uh, my three tips are um, number one, how to create a tone of voice. Number two, how to define a tone of voice, and number three, how to protect a tone of voice. So that's what we're, we're going to talk about. So number one, how to create a tone of voice. Um, before you can work out how the brand talks, you need to define what the brand does and why it does it. So what its purpose is. Right. And then you work out who the brand is, which is its personality. And then when you've got that, you know how the brand will talk, which will be its tone of voice. Um, and this involves the whole business. So I think of it as an investigation. I'm really nosy. So I love going behind the scenes of big brands and seeing who's where and what they get up to. Um, and it's all part of the job. Um, so a brand's purpose is all about what products or services it offers and why it makes that product or offers that service. So basically why the brand exists in the world. Mm, um, yeah. And the, yeah, the products or the services bit is the easy bit. That's the obvious bit. But it's the why that's the bigger bit. And that comes from a brand's origin story, like the how and the why right. and the where and the when the brand started. So, uh, for example... And, and um, and and um, can I ask you a question? And and I yeah. um sorry for jumping in. I just get so excited about this. How <laughs> do you how do you extract that from you know some of these key stakeholders? Because in my experience, I found sometimes they they can't articulate it some sometimes very clearly. Whether it's because they've been there too long and they can't see sort of you know sort of that core mission anymore or maybe they're new to the organization or some people just don't really think in that way so how yeah. do you kind of extract that from them is it just kind of face-to-face -face conversations and and just asking probing questions and digging and digging yeah it's a good question because you're right um people don't realize how much they know and they don't think that you need to know as much as they do right um so so they might, you know, give you top line information in a brief or, uh, yeah, in a brief, I suppose, is the first place. But then I just try and chat with people. I'm not really one for formalities. I know formalities are there for a reason, but I like to keep things informal because it's actually when you're just casually chatting with a client that things come out that they don't realize is so helpful. Um and they haven't realized that they've said it even. But there are other ways, like you can run brainstorms and workshops, you can send questionnaires around, interview individual members, uh, get teams together. I did actually run a workshop once in the shape of like um, uh, a cocktail evening. I got everyone to stand up and mingle and just talk and I just eavesdropped on everyone. So I wanted them to just talk normally about the brand and about their sort of day-to-day -day work and obviously they all came from different parts of the business so I got loads out of them and they all seemed to have quite a nice time just um yeah being fed and watered while they were chatting 
That's great. That's great. We don't want to give up, give, give away too many of your secrets. So sorry for that, for that interruption. No, that's okay. I'm, uh, I'm not very good at keeping secrets. So yeah, ask me anything and I'll tell you everything. Um, so, uh, where were we? We were talking about um, finding, yeah. yeah, yeah. Finding the why, why does a brand do what it does? And, um, I think some good examples to consider, uh, cause I mean, it's easy to tell people stuff, right? But it's even easier for people to understand it if you give them things to reference. So um, a couple of references I like is uh, our Phil Knight uh, and his running coach. They created Nike because they didn't like any of the trainers that were available. um, And they wanted a lighter, more comfortable shoe to run in. So that was their reason for creating Nike. And another example I really like because I just I'm a customer of Virgin Atlantic and of British Airways. So I can see the difference in the branding. Um, Richard Branson and created Virgin Atlantic because he didn't think there was a fun airline to fly with and I think Virgin Atlantic is fun to fly with um, and I always compare them with British Airways who I fly with more because <laughs> I have more air miles with them but that's right. not a branding thing that's a customer loyalty thing um, but from a branding point of view whenever I get on a plane I feel like I'm being greeted by my old school headmistress and I feel right. like everything they write to me is just really formal whereas Virgin Atlantic are just more relaxed and easygoing. Oh, yeah. um, so I prefer to fly with Virgin, to be honest. Right by, um, right down to their, right down to their, if I remember uh, correctly, their, their flight safety video was so clever and, and cute. And that you, even though I've, I had seen it, you know, 10 times, every time it comes mm-hmm. on, I want to watch it because it's just done so, so well. And I think that's yeah. the, you know, that's a that's a brand that does it really well down to the smallest detail. They do do it down to the smallest detail across all of their brands. I was just going off a bit, but Virgin Voyages, for example, they used to do this across all of the sub brands, but they don't as much anymore, unfortunately. But Virgin Voyages still do. Their call to actions are in their tone of voice as well. So the buttons on a page where you're about to book a cruise um, instead of saying something like view view more or find out more or book now, it says something like I'm packing already or save me a seat or save me a spot, which is much right. more fun and, and aligned with the brand. Absolutely. But we'll get to consistency later. Um, okay. So when a brand has defined its purpose and, um, uh, and determined exactly what that purpose is, um, it then needs to find a or create a character or a personality um, you know, how it looks and feels. So how it represents itself with visual distinctive assets, which are things like a logo, font, mascot, color, imagery. Um, and then the verbal distinctive asset is the tone of voice, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, and then I think we move on to point two, which is how to define that tone of voice. Oh no, sorry, I'm like jumping, aren't I? So I yeah, said it's probably because <laughs> it's probably because I'm getting so excited and jumping in and and uh, <laughs> and interrupting you. So if you want me to stop interrupting, I, I will. No, no, that's okay. I'm very easily distracted. If you interrupt me, I could easily go on and talk about anything else. Um, okay, we have plenty so, of time, yeah. so. Okay. okay. So, yeah, so the visual, we've got the visual distinctive assets, which make up a brand. And then we need the verbal one, which is the tone of voice. So when a brand defines all of that, it can create that tone of voice, which is how it verbally expresses itself. And that's how the brand talks and the typical words and phrases that the brand always uses to connect its audience back to them. 
And that takes us to point two, which yeah. is how to define a tone of voice. Have you got any questions before I move on? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I will. I um, will, though. Good, good. Okay. Well, so defining a tone, a tone of voice is more work than people realize. I think people think it's easy. Um, but this is why so many brands don't stand out or just sound the same. Often people will define a brand personality and a tone of voice as things like... Um, human, friendly, honest, trusted, authentic, and dedicated, and passionate. And they're all important traits to work with, but they're words that don't really give anyone much to go on. And, and they act as a default for any brand, because what brand wouldn't want to be each of those things? Right. So yeah, as brands, we need to find words that we can really get behind, words that really define us and inspire us and our audience. And we can do that by um, talking to each other, like I said before, interviewing each other, running workshops and brainstorms until we get to the words and the descriptions that bring a brand to life. Um, one example that I can share because the this was for the social media account and that doesn't exist anymore. But when I worked with Sky um, and they were launching the Sky Atlantic channel, which is a TV channel here in the UK that um, shows all the HBO shows from the US. Um, I spent hours with the brand and the social media teams discussing what the brand should look and feel like and how it should talk. And uh, we found that the brand was a stylish man, um, suave, sexy, confident, captivating, creative. We thought men wanted to be like him and women right. might want to be with him. And he drinks scotch, not pints, and he smokes. And we came up with all of these characteristics for this, for the, how this brand would talk. And we actually found that Sky Atlantic was just like Don Draper in Mad Men, which was yeah. one of the TV shows that launched yeah. on the channel at the time. Right. So from then on, the team were able to write for the brand with Don Draper in mind, which made it easy for them because all they needed to do was ask themselves, what would Don Draper say and right. how would Don Draper say it? Um, I love that. Yeah, well, often when we find or create a character or use the brand's founder to represent a brand, we do find it easier to write with them in mind. Um, having said all of that, not every brand needs to create a character or find one that they can relate to. And I'm not saying every brand should. Personally, I don't really like doing it. <laughs> um, but lots of people find it helpful, especially if they're not copywriters and especially if they're at the start and uh, creating their brand and trying to understand how it could right. and should express itself. That's kind of a, a good, um, not a shortcut, but that's a good sort of device to keep in your mind, right? So just just probing a little bit, what is it about it that you don't like doing what what is it about that approach that you don't like you find I, it limiting or do you think that at, at some point it it runs its course or what i don't find it limiting i just it's just a personal thing i just yeah. um i prefer words <laughs> um and and actually the second point to your question where you said do i find it limiting is a good one because um, Don Draper and you know, Don Draper turned out to be pretty. I mean, he started off quite nasty, but um, you know, as the series went on, he he became nasty. So we would have had to have updated our character reference, right? Um, whereas I think words, although you're always going to evolve your brand, but words as principles rather than uh, a person as a character have more longevity. Um, yeah, I can't really answer that. I don't know why. I just yeah. it's just not my way. And, and, um, and just out of curiosity, so 
um, the work was still just verbal, right? You didn't actually create a visual character that were, it was just no. the way that he, that the, 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 the character of the brand spoke, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. But the the visual side of it, so how the brand looked, I mean, if you were going to give a name to the visual <clears throat> side of it, I suppose you could have given it Mad Men or, or Don Draper as well, because it was it was sort of dark and mysterious and clean cut. Um, and yeah, really sort of sophisticated looking. Uh, yeah. So the two went together, even though it wasn't officially a Don Draper visual style. Right. Um, I have often done, I've done exercises that, that sound a little bit similar when I'm trying to help, um, you know, someone get to a new way to think about their brand where I, um, and I, and I like to do it not anonymously, but I like to empower the people in the room to answer the way that they think that they answer. Because as you know, if you have a room full of people and you're doing an exercise like this, sometimes people tend to want to vote with the boss right with the person and they may have a very different idea so in the past i've done these exercises where i use like polling and you know i'll say well you know if your brand was a was a house would it be would it be more like a mid-century modern house or would it be a colonial house or i try to give them some things right and then they use their phone to answer because i always find that you'll get the most accurate answers because they they often have different ideas and it's really just a way to to stimulate you know the conversation and get people to react but i love this idea of making it so that they can't look over they can't wait for their boss to say what they like right and they just say it because then they go okay well who wants to be brave and talk about it and it just makes things easier do you find that people um when you're doing this exercise that that's that comes up yeah, uh, another really good point. Um, often people, well, often people are really shy to talk when there's a lot of people around them in the first place. They don't want to share their ideas because they're just, you know, right. maybe maybe nervous. Uh, and then the other one is, yes, they will go with the leader um, and wait for them to lead. So a good leader would either not be in the room or would open up the discussion to make everyone feel comfortable. Um, but I try and get everyone on side anyway and just say we're all here for the same reason. We all want the same outcome. So this isn't a competition. Um, and, you know, everybody's opinion is valid. But I have done other sessions where I've just sent a questionnaire ahead of time and asked mm -hmm. people to fill it in and then I will collate the information and present it back to them. And what's really interesting is when um, there's a theme and people are aligned, um, whether that's aligned with what the brand is at that current time is not really relevant um, for the purpose. Uh, but it is interesting to see what people say uh, say when they can say anything. And I also often throw in a question if it's if it's an anonymous thing. I do often throw in if you could if the brand if you could make the brand be anything, you know, what would it be? So forget what it is now. Um, and then, yeah, the anonymous answers are always really interesting. Yeah, that's great. OK. And so one more, one more question before we move on here. So yeah. are you typically, um, and I know, you know, COVID is, has, has changed things, but let's say either before COVID or, or even now, are you often in the room facilitating these conversations? And again, sometimes uh, as if you are doing this type of thing, you have to make sure that you don't get that anchor effect, right, of the, of the boss or the, the, the most senior person. You got to sort of work the room and get the, sh the shy person involved. I mean, is that kind of the way that you sometimes work where you're in the room facilitating these dialogues and these discussions? 
Yeah, so I mean, during COVID, it was all online. But since uh, I've started traveling again, yes, I've been back out with brands. And uh, usually I'm in a room with, well, my most recent workshop was with 50 people across creative brand and marketing at a big wow. brand. And I mean, they don't often get together and chat like that anyway. So they're kind of enthusiastic in the first place. And then I always leave lots of time for them to talk because it is their time and I can lead the discussion and I can give them ideas. But this is often the first time in maybe a year or two years that they've got together and really thought about what they want their brand to be and how they want to move forward. Um, and sometimes I joke that it becomes a bit like a therapy session because people are opening up and um, I'm giving them the license to think about things that they haven't had the time to think about. Because when I've got people in a room for two hours, the, suddenly they're focused on the thing that I'm there to talk to them about. Whereas branding stuff, there isn't always a lot of time for branding stuff when you're in a creative briefing or, or a review or making decisions about the business. Right, right, right. Okay, that's great. And when I say decisions about the business, I mean like business decisions about right. the business, not not creative brand decisions. So more about, you know, how are we going to make more money this year? If someone says, well, we should think about our brand, that's often overlooked. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I mean, it's, they're, they're so, they, they can be, they're so, they're, they're so intertwined, right, that you really, in a sense, you can't talk about one versus the other. I mean, the brand has got to be a, as strong as it can be to try and drive, you know, in the case of TV, new acquisitions or new subscribers or whatever it might be. So, I mean, it's so, it, they're so tied in, right? So sometimes I agree that it seems like it's a little silly to, to separate the conversation because the brand is so powerful and oftentimes what's really driving the bottom line, right? Yeah, so a sales conversation for a TV brand could go, um, we need to tell people to watch our program, but the brand side would say, well, why would they watch with us? Right. So yeah. that's why they need to be together. Absolutely, okay. Great. This is this is awesome. I hope the audience is taking lots of notes like I am here. All right. What um, else you got? Okay, so now we need to document what we've come up with so that everyone's clear on how the brand, the brand talks. So that takes us to point three, which is how to protect your tone of voice. And this is where you need tone of voice guidelines. So everyone working for and with your brand understands your way with words. And you need a copywriter to write these because they need to be in your tone of voice from the first word on the first page to the last word on the last page. This shows readers how it looks and works in everything. And a copywriter needs to, in my opinion, write design guidelines too. Everything should be in the tone oh, of voice. Oh, okay. There I wanted to ask be, you about that. Okay. Yeah. There shouldn't be any like, oh, this is just an internal document. We don't need it in our tone of voice or no, this is about the visual side. So we don't need to worry about the verbal side. Everything should be in the tone of voice because the minute you have something that's not in your tone of voice, that's printed out in a beautiful um, guidelines document, people think that's it. That's how you talk. And you can't always stop them from going ahead with something because they've seen it in print elsewhere. They'll assume that it is fit for purpose, which it isn't if it's not in the tone of voice. So did you want to ask, ask anything else? Yeah, yeah, I did want to ask you a question about that. So let me see if I understand what you're saying. In your mind, the person that is the person or the people that are writing the tone of voice document, 
should also be driving the words and the I, the words and the phrases that are going to drive the visual side of it as well. Um, not quite. Okay. Um, just, but the instruction should be in the tone of voice. So, for example, um, I write at Sky. I write the tone of voice guidelines, and the designers write the brand visual. The, sorry, the visual brand guidelines. But then they give them to me to align with the tone of voice. So I'm not. Oh. Okay. I'm not providing any direction. I don't know how to dictate exclusion exclusion zones or. Um, drop shadows see I don't even know what I'm talking about um but I do know how to explain how to execute those things in the brand's tone of voice because the two documents should live together they should feel like they're coming from the same place just like an ad campaign should feel like it's coming from yeah so uh, I think a copywriter should write everything yeah so you know you could argue that you know a word like iconic right is going to have a direct translation over to the way the visual side of it might feel right so if somebody says some of the some of the brand language the the tone of voice talks about being iconic you might think well it's going to be really you know the fonts are going to be really bold and 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 dramatic and so i you know i think that um how how do how do you you know how do those people in your mind how what's the best way for those two sides to work together I mean, you kind of described it, right? That you might, they might take, they might do the actual um, visual side and then pass it back to you to sort of, you know, finesse the language where you can of what they're doing. But uh, is that the is that the only way, or is there a, a different way? Should there be more collaboration between the two sides? Well, actually, what you said at the top there was my ideal scenario, which is the visual principles and the verbal principles are the same words. Yeah. So if you've got an iconic tone of voice, an iconic brand visual brand identity, that one word works for both. But often, I mean, this is a difficult argument that I have (laughs) and I don't always win it because the other thing is the words you use to describe your tone of voice have got to be words that you can execute against in words. So saying that something looks cool is maybe quite hard to you know interpret as how do you sound cool and cool maybe isn't a good example there but I'm trying to explain what I mean um but as I said that doesn't always happen so um now I can't remember what your question was (laughs) no I'm just I, I, I guess really I'm just trying to figure out if I were in that situation how I would want to work because I'm not a I'm I came up more as a writer right not a designer uh, but I just feel like, and it's a bias, I'm sure, uh, that you probably have as well, that words really drive everything, right? The the word, if you can nail the words and get the words to be as powerful, as succinct, and as and as concise, and and you know, um, driving as possible, then everything else should really flow from that, right? It should be from that point. Nothing is easy in our business, but if you can mm-hmm. nail that. Everything else should flow from those from those words. Well, yeah, I mean, that would be amazing for the copywriter. But I'm not for one minute saying that words should dictate everything um, for a brand. Although the way we identify and distill everything does come down to words. But 
words shouldn't influence a visual identity. The two should work together. Sure. I feel like I've now made things a bit confusing. But what my no, no, point no. was at the beginning of all of this is, firstly, a copywriter should write the visual brand guidelines, but that's not to say that they create them or come up with the identity. They just describe them in the brand's tone of voice so everything is aligned and consistent. And then second to that, if it is possible that the principles that describe your visual identity and your verbal identity could be the same, that's really helpful because then you've only got those words going around the business. You don't have a set of words for the tone of voice and a set of words for the visual identity. And then people get a bit lost in, oh, which word am I um, aligning with today? Um, so I think that has cleared that up. Yeah. Okay. What else? What else you got for us? All right, so we're protecting a tone of voice. We're talking about guidelines, um, which is how we got into all of that. So talking about tone of voice guidelines only, um, start by describing your tone of voice. So in a sentence or a paragraph or, or a whole page, but uh, however long you need to describe it and talk about where it comes from and why it's important and how the guidelines are going to help whoever's reading them write for the brand. And then present those principles. So they're the, adjective, the uh, adjectives that you've chosen to describe your tone of voice. And I always like to go with three principles to keep things simple. And also, like we said at the beginning, three right. um, messages are memorable. Um, but less than three can often lack direction. Um, five is a good number that provides plenty of information. More can lack confidence. Um, I mean, some brands have seven to 10 principles and this is just too many and it leaves right. everything open to interpretation because the guidance just isn't tight enough. Um, and then when you have those principles, you should explain how they work alone or together and uh, write a paragraph uh, to explain each one uh, more if you have to, but only if you have to, you want everything to be easy. And when I say explain each one, it's it's easy to say, oh, our tone of voice is X, Y, Z. But what do those words actually mean? How are you, what techniques are you using to bring those words to life or to live up to those words? So it's it's not just the who and the how, it's the what as well. Um, and then as lovely as all that is to have, what people find really useful is examples of executions yeah. in the tone of voice. They need to see it in action. So Write an ad, an email, a tweet, a web page, like anything that your business does so that anyone reading the guidelines can see how the tone of voice looks in short copy, long copy, and when you're talking about different things like sad things, serious things, happy things, exciting news. Um, maybe you lean on one principle more than another, depending on what you're saying and who you're saying it to. So um, think about that too. And if you're working on a rebrand, show befores and afters. And if you're working on a new brand, show the do's and don'ts. And often the afters and the don'ts or the befores and the don'ts are the easiest way for people to see what the difference is. Um, and so, then a bonus. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yep. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to add in a bonus tip because not everyone can write in a brand's tone of voice just from nowhere it takes practice and not everyone's a copywriter but some but but everyone is writing copy and not everyone understands how to flow a tone of voice into what they're writing so I like to always find easy ways for that to happen and um, I think an easy way is to just litter 
what you're writing with brand words. So words that your brand has chosen to try to own or words that connect back to the brand. So like Kit Kat has break and Oreo has dunk. Um, you know, if you can't say anything in Oreo, I've never written for Oreo, by the way, or Kit Kat. I don't know why I'm giving these examples. They just came to <laughs> mind. But if you're writing for Oreo and for whatever reason you can't write in the tone of voice, but you can stick in the word dunk, then the audience will see that word and hopefully connect it back to Oreo because they've used it over time. You, they almost own it. Um, and another thing to do to build your brand and uh, feed your tone of voice is to find preferences as well. So, for example, Innocent Drinks over here, smoothie brands, they don't call their customers customers. They call them drinkers. Spotify call their customers listeners. Um, and right. Chanel says boutique, not store or shop. So right. all of these words help to build a brand and, and add to their tone of voice. And then I'd say to write an A to Z um, to go at the back of your guidelines that's easy to reference when people are in a hurry. So they always know what words they can use that are approved. Um, and then still on guidelines, remember not everyone reading your guidelines will want to or need to know every single thing, especially if they're not copywriters. So I always suggest thinking about um, uh, creating a checklist or a summary or an overview, just the key takeaways to take away so that anybody uh, signing off coffee copy or you're know, writing it when they're not copywriters has an easy reference guide um and then all of this needs to continue to be protected not just in the guidelines but in real right. life too so um i think it to to show the importance or, or how much you value your tone of voice you need to set up an ambassador within the business um, someone who owns it and so everyone knows to go to that person for support or for sign off and um, include them in briefings and reviews and then that person can do other things to really you know bring tone of voice front of mind all the time I mean basically just be annoying but um, you know write a newsletter or start a slack channel and share good examples of your tone of voice so everyone understands what to aim for like celebrate it when it works um, and when it's good and also share examples of other brands tone of voice so you always know who's saying what but also what good looks like basically keep tone of voice front of mind so it's never you know forgotten about yeah I was thinking that I was thinking the same thing. And I wonder, you know, so I would describe that person as like a brand voice steward or, you know, someone that that uh, that owns that that idea. How often do you see that actual job, at, you know, with some of the brands that you that you work with? And is that is that is that job described as, you know, the, the, the copy chief or is there some other loftier title i mean because i i feel like that would especially for some of these big brands i feel like they really need somebody that is constantly monitoring that um yeah you know i do see um i do see it happening i mean you say brand steward unfortunately a lot of brand people are called the brand police which is you know already yes. sets us up That's for not, the yeah. It, yeah for it not happening um, but yeah i do see it happening a lot um, I see people excited by the idea if it's not already happening and I've suggested it. Um, Grey in London uh, is the only agency I know of that has a, I think her job title is head of voice or head of brand voice. So 
she's a copywriter, but she's the go-to for anything for, you know, all the clients tone of voice. She'll check it all. Um, but yes, it is the head of copy or the copy chief, or if there's not that sort of level of seniority in the copy team, it might just be a copywriter that's elected to do that. Like I was just at a brand last week and, um, they said that they did have somebody who just loves copywriting. Um, and you know, wants everyone else to find it, uh, to value it too. So he had taken it upon himself to do all the things that I'd I'd suggested and uh, he didn't need me to suggest them. He was already there. That's funny that the, your, your note about the, about the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the brand police, it's a, it's a good one, right? And uh, I've, I've been guilty of using that, you know, uh, of using that, that term as well. And I need to rethink that because, you know, it shouldn't be that sort of, confrontational thing i mean they're they're there to help make the the brand consistent and and as we all know that's really what you know helps brands grow is a consistency and always using that same voice um how do you you know how might you suggest that people think about those about those folks in a different way or you know how would you if you were in that position how would you explain hey this this is why it's important for us for us to have this you know, quote unquote, brand police, tone of voice. Yeah, police. it's so annoying when people call it the brand police because um, it's true. Well, I mean, yeah. it's true. And I've and I've done yeah. it, too. And I'm and I'm I'm guilty of that. Sometimes it's, you know, because you're trying to be funny, but it, it does create it does set up a, almost like an instant sort of us against them mentality. And it shouldn't be that yes. way. So how would no, you explain absolutely. it to somebody, especially a young person that says, why, why can't I just push it here? You know, why can't I go off? the tone here a little bit well i give examples of some of the oldest brands around and say we only know about these brands and recognize them for what they look like and how they sound because they have stuck to their branding for decades um you know we know that coke is red we know the mcdonald's arches are golden uh, we know the nike slogan and that's because these brands haven't changed any part of their brand assets since they started. They might have tweaked them and evolved them, but they've still kept them like instantly identifiable and recognizable and familiar. Um, and so that that's what goes into building a brand and, and making it sort of central to uh, our marketing memories. Um, and a brand, it needs to stand out in its category to get its audience's attention. It needs to you're talking about tone of voice in particular, it needs to talk to its audience in a way that they'll find really interesting so it can hold their attention and keep them as customers, fans or followers. But the minute we change what we look like or what we sound like is when we lose people. Um, yeah, people, you say juniors, I mean, that's, that's not fair on juniors. There are plenty of senior people who don't understand the importance of brand and branding. Um, right. Yeah. Is that your dog coming? And is there... <laughs> You know, is is there a way um, when you are developing these guidelines to leave, you know, to leave a little bit of room for uh, experimentation or just, you know, taking a little bit of a, you know, uh, uh, you know, of a just slightly different direction? Is that, you know, is that a thing? Is that smart? Does that make yeah. sense? Does that kind of be I'm sure that that's part of some brands, right? Some brands that allow yeah. for a little bit of going off the yeah oh i think that's also where the brand police term 
comes in is that some brand people don't allow for that and so they're seen as the people that you you know you can't get anything playful through but yeah a brand's always going to change or evolve with the times um and also there may be creative opportunities that would be a real shame to miss as long right. as they have some element of the original brand identity in there like my favorite recent example Actually, I've got two. So KFC, a couple of years ago, they came out with a campaign where they took their slogan, finger licking good, but they removed finger licking. So the line was, it's good. And yeah. in the middle of it's and good, which were separated, was a the image of a, a person licking their fingers. So you could fill in the slogan. And right. you might not have been able to do that had they not kept their slogan so had they not been using that slogan for I think it's 70 75 years now right uh, so that's one really good example and another one is McDonald's um, opened a restaurant in a place called Leuven in Belgium a couple of years ago and the they put a billboard up on the street where the McDonald's was going to open and it was green so not their main primary color red um, it was yeah. green, and in their in their yellow, it said, "I'm loving it," and that was just beautiful. But because it was so, it was so obviously their slogan, "I'm loving it," but they'd replaced it with the place where the restaurant was opening. They could play with their brand assets. So where you might have a brand police person saying, "You can't mess with the slogan ever," right? They did, but in a way that still worked and sounded and looked like them. Yeah. So I want to. I, I wrote a couple of, of questions here, um, and you've and you sort of answered it, but I wonder if we can talk a, a little bit more about it. You know, a, a a brand that has more than five sort of guiding principles. I mean, how do you? How does that? How does that happen? And and to me, that's anybody that that has that. I mean, needs to you know, needs, needs to call you, bring you in and help them sort of refine that. But how does that happen? Right? Because I've seen it a lot. And it's like, well, you're trying to be all things to all people, right? And, and then you're going to end up being, you know, you're not going to be relevant to anybody. But yeah, in your mind, think, or what have you seen? How does that how do they get to that? I think um, it's a lack of confidence. It's a lack of distilling down your brand to three things rather than seven. And or it's, people disagreeing with each other within the business and just saying, oh, well, we'll use all of the words then. But then when the people like, like a copywriter comes in to execute on those brands, sorry, those words, those principles, they're going to get stuck because often when you've got, when you've got seven words, one or two of them are going to end up contradicting, con or oh, I can't talk, contradicting each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it takes a level of confidence and understanding of the brand to be able to get it down to less than that. And so what, what might you, what might you say if you walk into this, this brand client, they've hired you, they've got too many, what, what might you say, you know, to start off the conversation about that? Okay. Uh, I would say, I think you've got too many words describing your brand. Let's try and get rid of a couple and let's, but first let's talk through what each word means to you. And quite often they'll end up blurring and I'll say, right, well, what you've just described is these two words. So let's get rid of one of them or let's find a word that, you know, covers both of these two words and then we've lost one. Yeah. In your, in your opinion at that point, let's, let's say that it's, you know, company, 
like that, that has a brand that has that, that too many, right? Mm. Would you prefer all things considered? Would you say, you know, I'd rather just take this back down to the studs and, and just start from, from the very beginning with the why would that always be your preference or not necessarily? Um, I, I probably assume that I already knew the why and that's why I was there to then have that conversation. But yeah, it might be a case of going back to the beginning and starting again. Um, but I haven't experienced that. In my experience, they've got, they've got to a good place. They've just lost confidence um, when they've come to distill it. Because the minute you think about putting something in guidelines and it's sort of locked in, they're kind of worried that, oh, is that what we meant? Is that what we need? And they're not also perhaps thinking about the copywriter who then needs to understand what they're getting at. Also, I always want everything to be easy for everyone. And the more you have to read to understand what a brand is and who a brand is, the longer it takes to be able to execute for that brand. I want everything to be quick and easy and instant. Um, like 200 pages of guidelines are an amazing read for someone like me who's really interested <laughs> in stuff like that. But when, you know, you've got, you've got to write an ad and it's in the deadlines tomorrow and you, someone said, well, what's the tone of voice? And you're flicking through 200 pages trying to understand what the tone of voice is. That's not going to be helpful. Yeah. And, and you've mentioned some of these already, but um, what, what, are, what are some brands that you think do it really well besides obviously the, the classic examples of a Nike or an Apple or are there some other brands maybe not as well known or brands that you've that you've worked with that you feel like okay now they're really in a good spot oh netflix i mean if anyone's heard me talking before or or followed me on social they'd probably think oh here she goes again i love netflix um they they just seem to really know what they're doing everything adds up you know from from the colour of their logo, which represents the red carpet, to the shape of their logo, which represents the screen in the cinema, to their social media accounts that show that they're watching the shows with their audience and, and having fun with it. And they're not just tweeting or posting on Instagram stuff like that, but they're also updating their Twitter or sorry. So I always say Twitter because that's where I am mostly. Um, they're also updating their social media bios to reflect whatever the show is. So like every one or two weeks it changes. Um, I could go on and on and on about them, but that wouldn't give enough information to um, your audience. Um, F1, um, again, if anyone follows me on social, I, I have talked about F1's guidelines a lot. They are You can Google them and find them. They are the best guidelines I've ever read. They... I just, I wish I'd written them or I wish I could write them. I don't even think I have that skill. Um, it took a lot of people and a couple of agencies working together to create them, but they're well worth it. They really bring out the the feeling that you would get when you're watching an F1 race. It comes out in the words of the guidelines. So that's not even the ad yet or the email or yeah. whatever the customer's going to see. That's that's the guidelines. And that's what I'm talking about. Guidelines should be in the brand's tone of voice. Um, right. So there's a couple of brands for you to reference if you want to, or have a look at if you want to. Yeah, excellent. So um, you're doing the, the the brand and tone of voice consulting. You're speaking at various events around the world. You're also doing training. Now, I I assume that that, that is to organizations, but is it also on an individual level? Someone that's that's interested in 
you know, maybe it's somebody from the brand who's trying to do this, uh, you know, on their own without without bringing somebody in. Is it just groups or is it people or what is it? Well, I'm I'm potentially working on something for individuals because I get asked all the time where individuals can go to to learn about tone of voice. And there aren't that many places that I can even think of. Um, but generally, my work is bespoke. So I do it uh, with clients or through DNAD uh, for their clients. So agencies often go to DNAD and then I get booked through there. But yeah, it's I'm working directly with clients most of the time. Okay. And what else? What's what's next for you? What's you know, any 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 big, big things that you're planning on here uh, for the coming um, year or years? Well, I created a copywriting community under the hashtag uh, yes. Copywriters Unite on social media. It started as just a place for people to find each other online, but it became so popular that people were asking if they could, uh, if it could turn into something in real life. So now um, there are copywriter meetups all year, all around the world. So I have different people hosting them in different towns. So. We've got a couple on in the UK at the moment in uh, Birmingham and Brighton coming up. I don't know when this podcast is going out, uh, but that's at the end of this month in March. Um, we've just had one in Paris and Vancouver. Oh, with your friend Dan Nelkin. He, um, oh, yeah. he hosted it, a recent a recent podcast guest. Um, that's right, isn't it? He was on your yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just great. suddenly thought, yeah. Uh, so he hosted the Vancouver one. Um yeah, I love it. I, I sit at home because obviously I can't go to all of them. I'm in London. Um, but I sit at home when I know there's a night on and I just keep checking Twitter for, you know, people put up photos and I just love seeing all these copywriters get together. And it is just drinks in a pub. It's There's no agenda, no speakers, no tickets. It's just for people to connect with each other. And people have connected with each other and they've found work or they've worked together or they've got advice or they've found a mentor. And I, I love it. It's great. It was... Uh, it was something that needed to exist and now obviously is uh, part of the marketing calendar. Yeah, and that's great. And that's all that's all due to you. So that's uh, that's pretty impressive and you should be proud of that. When are you gonna come to when are you gonna come to LA? That way we can uh we can meet in real life and I'm sure there's I'm sure you've got tons of fans here in uh <laughs> in the States and uh, probably in LA specifically in LA and New York, the the big hubs for advertising and marketing. When are you coming to LA? I need an LA TV company to, ask to come up with their tone of voice and then I'll be over. <laughs> um, and I think there's a few of those in LA, isn't there? There's a couple. Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, maybe after, maybe they'll maybe your phone will start ringing uh, after after this episode. But where so where's the best place for people to uh, follow you to learn about you to reach out to you? What's the best place? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Twitter. On Twitter, I am Vicky Ross Writes. Vicky Ross Writes. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining the Mastercast. I think this is a, a really great episode that everybody needs to hear, right? And it's the kind of thing that you need to hear probably every so often, right? Because sometimes <laughs> uh, we, we start to get a little antsy or bored with, with, uh, with brand guidelines and we need to remember why they're there and and what the power is and that consistency so uh thanks again for sharing this this uh, wisdom with the audience and i look forward to keeping in touch and uh connecting from time to time and if you come to la you better you better let me know 
I absolutely will. Well, you've got three dogs, so I want to meet them um, and <laughs> you. <laughs> but no, thank you for having me. Um, it was great to chat. Absolutely. Okay, we'll talk soon. Take care. All right. And there you have it, folks. Another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director in the Books. Thanks to my very special guest, Vicki Ross. Those were some excellent top-line thoughts on developing a tone of voice for a brand. So I hope you guys took uh, copious notes. And follow her on LinkedIn. She does all kinds of great content. Uh, She also puts on events in the UK for copywriters. Uh, I told her when she comes to LA, she better uh, hit me up so that we can uh, get together uh, in real life, in person. So thanks again to Vicky Ross. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Tell all your friends about it. Follow me on LinkedIn for daily tips and musings and deep thoughts by yours truly. And be sure to check out my website, too. It's JaimeCabreraCreative.com. You can find information about the book, a link out to the podcast, and you can also schedule one-on-one coaching time with me. That's JaimeCabreraCreative.com. All right. Until next time, peace, love, and creativity. See ya.